On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, is Scotty Barnes the most interesting player in the NBA for 2023-24? He just might be. We'll discuss it all with Joe Wolfond of Pound the Rock and the Score coming up on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, September the 5th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors, and you can obviously join the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. It's awesome. Come hang out. Link is in the description. We're planning our fantasy basketball league for this season. We've got all sorts of, you know, hoop grids still going strong, movie talk, obviously the Blue Jays are a topic of conversation, a very sore one for the most part. Congrats on beating the A's and extras, boys. Uh, anyway, go hang out in the Discord. We'd love to see you in there. It's a great time, great little family we got building around the show. And a reminder, of course, you can find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review, all the good stuff to support the show. Make me feel good and uh, help us go up the charts and all that jazz. Okay. On today's show, we're talking about Scotty Barnes, someone we've talked about a lot this offseason, but uh, anytime I can get a friend who wrote a good piece about a guy on the show to talk about him, I'm going to do it. And of course, Joe Wolfond of The Score last week wrote a piece as part of The Score's series of pieces about the most interesting players in the NBA, about Scotty Barnes, who just might be the most interesting player in the NBA. We'll get into that whole thesis off the top. We'll talk about reasons for concern that maybe it's not going to go so swimmingly this season for Scotty, and then we'll close it off with a little note of optimism. But let's begin by welcoming in our guest, Joe Wolfon of The Score. How the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Uh, feeling refreshed after you know a, an off season that I've treated as such, and you know <laughs> ready to start ramping back up. I suppose. Yeah, I uh, you know I'm doing the thing where you you talk about a team every day, and despite all of your sort of urges saying this team is not very good, it's going to be bad. There's all <laughs> these things I don't like about it. I'm like, you know what? I could squint and see something interesting here. Interesting, if not good. I think that's kind of what I'm aiming for this season. And Scotty Barnes is a pretty good place uh, to start with that whole thing in mind. Uh, You wrote last week about Scotty Barnes and dug into, you know, reasons for optimism and concern mostly about uh, Scotty Barnes kind of taking up the mantle as the dude for the Raptors this season. Um, It seems like they're going to just have him be the point guard. We'll get into the sort of nuts and bolts and the numbers and all that stuff coming up. But um, for you, like, kind of take us behind the idea of Scotty Barnes being one of the most interesting players in the league this season. Why was he a subject of one of the pieces in this series over at the score? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. This is, a, this is a series that I've done now for the last three off seasons. And so when I kind of started putting it together this year and thinking about the guys that were going to be of interest to me, it just sort of felt obvious because mm-hmm. in terms of the expectations that were placed on Scotty that, I mean, he was in many ways a victim of his own success, right? Like his rookie yeah. season uh, kind of came out of nowhere in terms of the impact that he was able to bring immediately winning rookie of the year and seemingly 
rerouting the course of the Raptors franchise, you know, mm-hmm. giving them a, a foundational building block and somebody that was going to be there, you know, for maybe a decade or more at the center of whatever they were going to try and build. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of the shine came off last season for various reasons. And I think those reasons, I mean, look, I'm not going to absolve Scotty. There was a lot going on with him. There was, uh, you know, there were reports of him, you know, not necessarily putting in the requisite work last offseason. There were a lot of times when he seemed disengaged and sulky. There was, I mean, by pretty much every account, a lot of friction between him and like the veteran faction of the team. Mm-hmm. And look, that's that's on him. Um, but I think a lot of it also comes down to the, the Raptors roster construction. And I don't think that improved this offseason. You don't so, say. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, actually. Part of what got me thinking about this was a conversation I had with you on mm-hmm. the night that Fred walked when you were tri- you, you were still kind of trying to do your reasonablest shit, <laughs> and I just, like, wasn't having it. I was that like... I got beaten out of me pretty quick, mostly by you, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to talk you onto the ledge, you know? Some people try to get talked <laughs> off the ledge. You had to be talked onto it. And something you said in the course of that conversation was like, well, one way or another, it's all going to hinge on Scotty. And I was like, okay, well, if it's all going to hinge on Scotty, then why is the roster around him not constructed in a way that reflects that Mm -hmm. and that got me thinking about like i mean i don't know where the front office actually is on scotty but everything they've done and said seems to indicate that they believe he is the future and i guess you could say them kind of leaving pascal flapping in the breeze is reflective of that too like they don't know what to do with pascal because i guess you know deep down they recognize that that's not going to be a viable long-term fit Mm -hmm. and so I guess they they are seeing fit to at least entertain trade offers, although, you know, they, they've seemingly shut them down to this point and like still aren't making any progress toward an extension. I kind of think it's appalling the way that they've gone about dealing it's with real the bad situation. Real bad. I hate it. Uh, every second of it is bad. It's been bad. I don't like it. Um, and I mean, the Fred thing is like you can't. I don't know what to do with that because obviously they would have wanted to bring him back. They just didn't want to pay him, you know, more than $40 million a year, which I think is fine and justifiable. Yeah. But uh, I think they're a little bit stuck and a little bit stumped as well in terms of trying to figure out where Scotty fits into all of this, what the roster around him should look like, how they get from point A to point B. And that makes this season super interesting for him uh, from my perspective, just because, I mean, look, we, we've seen guys kind of have sophomore slumps before and Mm -hmm. development is not linear. You know, you can look at Jason Tatum, right. Who had this pretty disappointing second season and then pretty quickly got back on track and got on that ascendant star track uh, in year three. And I think year three is really when a lot of these guys do take that big leap. And I think if, if Scotty in year three looks pretty much the way that he looked in year two, we're going to be having a very different conversation about the Raptors future and and where this is all going. But, you know, if he does take that leap, then I think that changes a lot in terms of like, okay, look, we can afford to be middling or even bad for the next little while, but we're building toward this future where Scotty is the centerpiece 
and the pieces around him are kind of specifically put in place to amplify his strengths and maybe <clears throat> mask his weaknesses a little bit. Because right now I'm looking at it and it's like, you know, if if Scott is your franchise player, this is not what the what the rest of the roster ought to look like. And yeah. Um, and then, I mean, from there, I'm like, okay, well, is, is it really possible for us to see that leap from Scotty given the way the roster around him looks like they're just sort of all these, uh, moving pieces and all these factors that, that make it kind of fascinating to me. Like what, what does that leap from Scotty even really look like? Cause I think if we're talking about him as an actual point guard, I don't know that I see that from him ever. And that, that could be okay, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. he can still be a superstar who's not a point guard, you know, who's something more in the mold of a playmaking forward. But in terms of, yeah, like what the Raptors are doing this season and beyond, I just, I've completely lost any sense of like what the the plan is. And I've actually been for a while, I feel like, on team. Yeah, the, you know, since whiffing on Giannis, basically, the, there hasn't <laughs> really been a grandmaster plan. The front office doesn't actually know what it's doing. And the Scotty pick and then, you know, the subsequent 2021-22 season was a, a you know, a, a bit of a, a diamond in the rough, I guess, in terms of like they found this guy, they stumbled into this identity and this play style, which was unique and which was very interesting and exciting. But I think I was pretty consistent even while that was going on, as interested and excited as I was by it in saying like, this is a stopgap. And if mm-hmm. we like, if they want to take that next step, ultimately they're going to have to improve the guard play on this team. There's going to have to be more shooting, and they're going to have to win in like a slightly more conventional way. And that's why when they made like zero moves to address their limitations last off season, like you might recall, yeah, when there was all this rampant runaway optimism about the Raptors that I didn't quite see. I came on this show and, and tried to sort of like pour a little bit of cold water on those expectations because I just thought there were going to be some diminishing returns with the way they were playing. I didn't expect it to go as poorly as it did for the team or especially for Scotty, but you know, here we are. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, there's so many different sort of like competing facts. It's really hard to kind of get a, a sense of, I think this is why he's so interesting is what was last year? What did it tell us? What, how do you divide between like, you know, his own personal skills diminishing or dropping off or plateauing versus the team context not being conducive to his success? Obviously, coming into this season, the team is not built in a way I think that's going to maximize his success either. And so we might not even get an answers to what went wrong last year, at least not clear ones. It is... It's a whole lot going on to make him one of the most interesting players in the league. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to dig into reasons for concern that this whole Scotty era might not go the way the powers that be might be hoping that it can go. Because, boy, if Scotty Barnes just, like, does the thing and takes the leap, a lot of the last 18 months is kind of forgiven, right? Like, yes, you can quibble with the process behind a couple of the moves. The Yaka Pirtle trade, we'll get into that, I'm sure, and the fit and the weirdness. will you know, that that's all there as things that have maybe not gone super well. But if Scotty just goes out and is a star, then I think a lot of those things kind of go away. Again, adding to the intrigue um, with this coming season. We'll get into causes for concern coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at 
at Bird Dogs, who make the most comfortable clothes, shorts, hats, pants, whatever it is that you're ever going to wear. Bird Dogs have stretch khaki shorts and designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They also have, uh, you know, all sorts of different shorts. They got Oxfords, they got gym shorts, they got a whole lineup for you. They basically do the same thing you're going to get with like a Lululemon, but way better and for less money. So go and check out your bird dogs right now. They fit uh, wonderfully. My dad has a pair of them. I gave him one of the pairs bird dogs sent me, and they're his favorite shorts. My wife wears the bird dogs hat that came in. It doesn't quite fit my enormous dome, but she wears it when she goes paddleboarding and does water sports. It's wonderful for that. It dries quick, uh, and I have the shorts. I have the hiking pants. They are outstanding. They're the most comfortable things you're ever going to wear, and they're also the future of underwear in that they have underwear baked into the pants, and so you don't got to wear extra layers of stuff. It's like 45 degrees with humidity in Southern Ontario this week. You know, I'll be wearing my bird dogs when I'm walking around town for the very sparing amount that I'm going to be outside because people shouldn't be outside in this crap. Either way, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA and enter the promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, we continue on here. Jill Wolfond of The Score along as we uh, dig into a pretty pivotal season for Scotty Barnes and the Toronto Raptors by extension. Uh, We'll get into reasons for optimism at the end of the show. We'll close it off on a positive note, but uh, you dug into a lot of the numbers. There was drop-off basically everywhere offensively for Scotty Barnes last season. I think the one area you could say he kind of made tangible improvements was as like a short-roll playmaker. And then, of course, uh, that was nixed when they went and traded for Yaka Pertle, the short-roll playmaker on the team now, who you kind of have to have in the middle of the floor spacing-wise. And so we're kind of back figuring out, all right, where's Scotty Barnes going to get his bread buttered and all that stuff. Um, his shooting fell off from just about, I think, actually every area of the floor, per basketball reference, he had a tangible drop-off, you know, a couple percent, you know, at the rim, more percents uh, further away uh, from the basket as you go, 28% from three, just not a very efficient season whatsoever for Scotty Barnes. Uh, Joe, what maybe makes you concerned about the way this team is set up, about what's to come here, that we might see a repeat of that inefficient version of Scotty Barnes? And sort of what skill sets in particular does he have in his bag or not have in his bag that give you the most concern about him kind of making that step this season in year three? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like the ability to get himself to where he wants or where he needs to go in the half court, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I... the the block that I have when I try to envision point Scotty and what that's going to look like is okay. You're, you're facing a set defense. There is not a ton of space on the court. And this is what we've seen like throughout his first couple of seasons, right? Like we have, I think seen the breadth of his passing ability, mostly in transition. Yes. And that is because in a half court, it's like, if you can't maneuver yourself to certain spots on the floor, then you're sort of limited in terms of the, the kind of passes that you're actually able to throw. And it's also like, if you're not able to break a defense down off of the bounce, well then, again, like the the passing windows aren't necessarily going to be there in the way that they are when you're facing a defense that's a little bit more scrambled. So in order to access what I think is right now his best skill, and truly, I think he's he's the best pure passer on the Raptors at this moment. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make him a point guard, right? So no. if we're talking about him actually running a half-court offense, it's okay, you need to see him tighten up that handle. You need to see him develop uh, a workable pull-up jump shot. You know, you need to see an ability to, like, beat unders, whether that's with with jumpers or with drives. 
And it's just a lot of things that we've seen very little of to this point in time. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying he can't get there eventually. I'm a little bit skeptical that he can, but maybe he, he can. I just like to, to see it this season would require huge skill development in a, in a very short amount of time. And like complicating all of that is the fact that there's just not going to be a lot of space on the floor. Like the Raptors were, let me, let me pull this up here last season. Okay. 28th in three point percentage, 25th in three point attempt rate. And then they lose the guy who was by far their highest volume three point shooter. Like I I just, I I don't know how that's going to work for Scotty in a half court setting when he's trying to, like I've said this, I think the idea of kind of punting the immediate future and saying, you know, we're just going to give you the keys to the offense, give you a lot of leash, give you room to make mistakes and play through them. I think that's a perfectly fine idea. Sure. But doing that in this offensive environment where there is so little spacing and so little supplemental off the dribble creation is not setting him up for success. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my concern. And like, you know, I put the numbers in the piece in terms of what he did last season. 19th percentile in terms of scoring as a pick and roll ball handler, 31st percentile as an isolation scorer, 33rd percentile on post ups. Like there was just no play type. Even in transition, he was brutal. Uh, there was no play type in which he scored efficiently uh, efficiently last season, except, as you mentioned, as a role man. And now, you know, not only is, is Pirtle there now kind of complicating that role for him, but also there is, like, there, there's Dennis Schroeder is, like, the only pick-and-roll guard, basically, on the roster who's going to be able uh, to even hit him on the short roll. And you can, I mean, there are other ways you can finagle it. Like, they'll run probably a lot of dribble handoff. Like, if you run a Scotty Gary Trent dribble handoff, maybe you get two guys going with Gary and, and Scotty gets, you know, roll man opportunities out of that. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's it, there's just not going to be a lot of space for him to even roll into. So, I, I, it's not only about him having to develop, like him having to improve in the ways that he struggled last season. It's like he has to become a fundamentally different player in order for this to work. Yeah, and I think the the issue with the sort of state of directional limbo the franchise finds itself is that it doesn't really grant Scotty all that much of a grace period to figure it all out. And there's so much. It's being asked of him. He's being asked to refine the handle, you know, learn how to turn the corner. He's being asked to tap back into the mid-range shooting and, and you know, hopefully some three-point shooting that he sort of flashed a little bit on pull-ups uh, as a rookie. Not a ton, but, you know, he was perfectly passable as a mid-range shooter early on in his career and gave you some hope. I mean, it was like his second career game where he's hitting mid-range jumpers against Boston where it's like, oh, this could be a different type of dude than we thought entirely, and it just didn't happen for him last year. And that's complicated by the lack of space. It's all going to be more difficult. And then there's going to be this sort of ticking clock of, oh, Pascal's a free agent. No, G's a free agent. And how do they figure this out in the next year and kind of set things up for the Scotty era? It's tricky. And it's why I think a lot of people have been clamoring for them to just kind of pick a direction and, you know, just kind of make it clear. Okay, Scotty, like there's some runway here. You're 22. There's plenty of time. doesn't quite feel like there's plenty of time when you have three pending UFAs on the roster who are all very important players. And one of whom is right now uh, unquestionably much better than Scotty Barnes and Pascal. It just is this very confusing stew. Um, Let's quickly hit on 
you know, the, the way he fits with Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl, right? Like, this is, I think, the key question, the key issue, the thing that the Jakob Pertl trade, this sort of complication that the Yak trade introduced. And look, I will say it again, like, the Yak trade, value-wise, perfectly fine. I don't care about the first-round pick, really. Uh, and you got off the Ken Birch money. That that was, like, a kind of underrated good part of that. Maybe you shouldn't have signed Ken Birch for three years to begin with, but that's a story for another day. Um, but you create this front court with... You know, I think very clearly well above average passing at every position for those guys, positions and size and all of that. But there's not a ton of space. I think there's a lot that's hinging on Pascal Siakam becoming like a really good catch and shoot three point shooter, which he's done in the past. Like there's a possibility of that happening, but it hasn't been there for the last couple of seasons. Maybe a lessened minutes burden and all of that and lessened sort of overall burden will help him kind of get the legs back for those threes. We'll see. But, you know, it's kind of a you have to look at the numbers a little bit with a grain of salt too. Last year, the starting five, Fred, OG, Scotty Barnes, Pascal, and Jakob Pertl, uh, plus 11.6, a positive differential per cleaning the glass, 97th percentile. That's really good. The offense, 120.3 offensive rating. The defense, 108.7, 95th percentile on defense. That lineup kicked ass. It was really good, but you lose Fred Van Vliet, the threat of his pull-up shooting, his catch-and-shoot, his nine threes attempted per game for a team that was already, as you mentioned, very low down the charts of three-point volume. You replace him with Dennis Schroeder, who, unless he's in FIBA, is not much of a three-point shooter and has typically been successful more so in lineups with lots of other shooting and ball handling and not necessarily as the lone traditional ball handler. And then you look at the Gary Trent Jr. OG Barnes Siakam Pertle lineup, which you figure is going to be the starting lineup or you know has a shot to be. We'll see what they do with Schroeder. In 129 possessions, small sample, yes, but a minus 6.2 differential. The offense was 100.8, sixth percentile per cleaning the glass. Not good. And I, I think that, to me, is a pretty big red flag on how this lineup is, in theory, going to work. It's going to require a lot of Pascal um, and, obviously, of Scotty to kind of make those jumps within a context that's not terribly conducive to making those jumps. Where are you at on that sort of fit, and do you see any sort of glimmers of hope, or is that maybe, like, the biggest hang-up for this whole experiment is that that clunky spacing across the front court, despite the nice passing that the front court guys are going to probably contribute most nights. Yeah, I think that the offense is going to be pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you you throw out some of the numbers, right? Like when I was going through this, I was like, okay, like can if you're thinking about Pirtle, Siakam, Barnes is like a front court trio, um, or maybe you're not calling it a front court trio because Scotty is your point guard, so it's just a trio. <laughs> but yeah, like. Enough passing and specifically interior passing, I think, between those three guys and like theoretically at least touch around the basket, which is something that definitely Siakam and Pirtle have and Scotty seem to have as a rookie. Uh, and I think that like I, I think that touch will come back, even though it abandoned him for long points last season. Maybe there's enough there to make that viable offensively. I actually think that that it is mm. viable offensively, but it requires uh, like a certain kind of infrastructure around it yeah. in order to be viable, right? And I don't think the Raptors have that. And like you can just illustrate that in the crudest possible way by saying last season with those three guys on the floor, with Fred Van Vliet also on the floor, their offensive rating was like 125. Yeah. And then take Fred out of it and it was like 103. Fred's important as it turns out. <laughs> And I'm not saying it's like, okay, like, you know, Dennis Schroeder is equivalent to like, you know, Malachi Flynn or whatever other (laughs) point guard the Raptors would have been plugging into those lineups when Fred was on the bench last season. 
or honestly more often than not just like no point guard at all <laughs> Schroeder's like not a bad player no uh, he's like a really good backup point guard actually I think but in terms of what the Raptors need from a from a guard surrounding that trio he doesn't bring it like he's not a good shooter and he's not an especially good playmaker either like he's not somebody who necessarily sets the table for other guys or has the playmaking chops to make you know a, a not particularly well-spaced floor work by finding these you know narrow passing corridors that he can thread the ball through like that's not really Schroeder's game right he's more of a straight line drive kind of guy mm-hmm. and I just don't think that is necessarily what uh what this lineup needs so that that's where I just think like yeah the Raptors were 25th in half court offense last year I find it really difficult to imagine them improving upon that this season and I just like you mentioned okay you you didn't mind the Pirtle trade in a vacuum which I agree with but you said you don't care about the first round pick out the door hmm. and I really disagree with that because I think the pick out the door with that very light protection on it is maybe part of what is causing the hesitation in terms of stripping this thing down like right now. Right. Because that that 2024 pick with, a again, a light protection, just top six, is out the door. And you could find yourself in a situation where you're really bad next year and you lose your pick anyway. And ah, that sunk cost fallacy. The pesky bugger. <laughs> it, it's, but it's not. Like, it, like it, 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 it's not. Like you, I think you really want to keep that pick if you can, but it's just like to, to actually assure yourself of keeping it, you would have to be, I think one of the two worst teams in the entire league. Yeah. So I I think honestly, like when I see stuff like, like the, the Pascal fiasco, that just says to me that the, the front office feels almost as lost as we all do, where they're like, man, what? We've really backed ourselves into a corner here. What Please should we actually do? Please save us, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I've been of the mind. It's like, if if you can't find a, a palatable trade for Pascal, like you just extend him. Like, why have they yeah. not extended him by now? Exactly. And you can always try and trade him later if if you feel like that's the right direction to go. But again, that's why like this season to me is so interesting for Scotty because it's like, Okay, again, if if Scotty doesn't show that that growth that you're hoping to see from him, you probably want to keep Pascal around, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know where he's at or if all of this like the trade talk and the lack of an extension is alienating him, but it seems like it's going in a not great direction and you could wind up in a situation where he doesn't want to be around anymore and then you've essentially set up a situation where I mean, I don't know, like they, they, they could be setting themselves up to lose him for nothing hmm. and have not a whole lot left if Scotty Barnes isn't the guy that they think he's going to be. So you paint a grim picture, man. Uh, <laughs> it's but it's on the table. Like, I mean, I suppose the one sort of thing with with Pascal and the free and the extension stuff is like maybe he just is holding out to try to push for all NBA with the games restriction and all that stuff and maybe he sees a pathway there he's done it twice already but you know that i don't know hard to say like that could just entirely be the reason there's no extension and we don't know but um yeah there's there's a lot 
hanging out there, sort of loose threads that uh, could be kind of pulled to unspool this whole thing. We're going to come back on the other side, Joe, and get into some reasons for optimism. Close on a positive note, because as it turns out, Scotty Barnes still extremely talented, and there's a lot to like here as a player. We'll get into that coming up in just a sec, but first, just a reminder, go check out Locked On Blue Jays. Craig Ballard doing a great job documenting this endlessly frustrating baseball team that is driving myself and I'm sure Joe mad as they uh, sort of limp their way to maybe getting past the Rangers and the wild card chase. It's great stuff. We're having a great time, but Greg, uh, Craig, that is, is doing a great job breaking it all down over on Lockdown Blue Jays. Please go subscribe, follow, rate, review on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. All right, Joe, let's uh, let's close on a positive note, shall we? A little, a little bit of a hopeful note to close things out. Uh, there, there's plenty of reason to believe Scotty Barnes does have it in him to, you know, do the thing and make a leap this season. Whatever that leap's going to look like, we'll see. There's lots of different shapes that a leap can take. But for you, if you're looking for sort of one kernel of hope or one little glimmer of, you know, sunshine peeking in that's telling you, hey, it might be all right. And this Scotty Barnes at point, Scotty Barnes lead dog thing might actually work. What are you kind of glomming onto as that thing that's giving you a little bit of optimism as we go into the season here? I mean, it's to me, it's the passing, yeah, uh, and, and like it's the passing connected to the other sort of physical attributes, yeah. Like a guy at his size with his kind of body control, and like, yeah, he, I don't think he handles the ball like a point guard, but he handles the ball pretty well for a guy his size, sure. And uh, I think his ability to pass the ball at that size is truly special, and that is something that in theory you can build an offense around. Like we have seen offenses work with guys like that as hubs, but you know, I'm going to say again, like those offenses still do have off the dribble creation coming from like really good guards to help like grease the wheels and make it all work. But if you're thinking about, you know, down the road, you'll have an opportunity maybe to, to add that type of a player and the important thing is like, okay, can we get Scotty to a point where he can be that type of offensive hub? Mm-hmm. You know, not not on like the level of a Jokic, but maybe on the level of like a Demontis Sabonis, sure, right? A guy who's, you know, maybe he's not running a ton of pick and roll and and running the offense that way, but is he orchestrating from the elbow and the high post? You know, running the dribble handoff game and you know showing you a lot of keeper actions where he's able to to get himself to the rim that way, and you know, hopefully being able to shoot the ball to the point that he can kind of punish defenses that sag off him when he does that. Like, I think that that is very much in him and part of like his toolkit and something that he's going to be capable of doing long-term. So, you know, like I've said it before, like I, this, this is not to say that I don't think Scotty Barnes is going to be a, a really good player for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think that he's fully capable of, of being very good for, for a while, you know, all-star caliber even. Um, and I think, you know, certainly that that passing ability at his size is like the, the biggest component of that to me. Yeah, I think he has it in him to, to be a quality scorer as well. And, you know, even as a rookie, right, like we would just see him taking it to guys like he would be matched up against centers. He would take them into the post and he would score over them. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of like the floater range touch, that was like the push shot was absolutely huge for him in his rookie season. Yeah. And it just wasn't there to the same extent last year. And that's something that I'm not super worried about. Like, I think that will come back. He, he has demonstrated that he has that touch that's in there. I, I'm not really worried that he just, like, f- completely forgot how to score from floater range. Like, he'll be all right. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, the, you know, there, there's still a high ceiling here in terms of him being a guy who 
is going to be able to score in a variety of ways uh, and, and is going to be able to set the table for the guys around him. And, it, and it's going to be more just a question, I guess, of like finding the right pieces and putting them in place and optimizing him and, and the team as a whole. So like, I, you know, I, I see a lot of reason for optimism with Scotty individually. Um, I, I guess it's just, a you know, I, I mean, first of all, I do think this season is going to tell us a lot about that. Yeah. Because again, if we see more stagnation from him this season, then I think some of that long-term projection just starts to diminish even more. But um, yeah, that, this is where I get into thinking like, okay, how, how much growth can we see from him in the context, the roster context that the Raptors are providing him right now? And I'm not saying it's going to be zero. I do think we'll see some and maybe even a lot. Um, and I like, this is why he's so interesting to me. It's like, maybe he will, maybe he'll, he'll blow my mind and he will just like take the ball in from day one. will look the part of six, mm-hmm. nine point guard. Maybe he will. Um, I don't see that for him, but uh, there are a lot of other ways that he can develop that would make me very optimistic, even if he's not that guy. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> we're asking a lot of Darko ball to help grease the wheels here as well. We'll see. I mean, it'll be nice to see them uh, run offense. Uh, by the way, side note, I was listening to your episode of Pound the Rock with Trill Bro Dude on the Sixers last week, and your laugh at him, at, at Trill Bro Dude's suggestion that Nick Nurse is going to run plays. Uh, really, really, I was like, yes, Joe, beautiful stuff. Um, when it comes to optimism for me, I think there's a few things. One, you know, I, I think... Like, just, like, the flashes have been undeniable, right? And, and, like, the games in which he has decided to kind of grab the game and say, this is mine, you know, the fourth quarters, obviously, were a recurring theme last year. And, you know, I'm kind of putting a lot of stock into the idea that he's going to come back with, like, improved conditioning and, in general, better vibes about him. You know, I don't know what went down between him and Fred Van Vliet, but I do wonder if maybe that's just, like, as much as it's a bad on-court loss for the team, maybe it's a positive for the overall sort of cohesiveness of the roster. We'll see, um, at least in the room, not on the floor. You know, and, and I think just, like, when he did have those games where he just decided, like, it, the spacing didn't matter. Like, a lot of the stuff just kind of became irrelevant because the talent was so undeniable and he's capable of reaching such peaks that, you know, maybe he can tap into that more often. Maybe he can do that for 24 minutes a night as opposed to nine minutes a night or whatever, and that changes a lot. I, I also think... I'm pretty bullish on the idea of Pascal kind of tapping back into a catch-and-shoot three-point effectiveness that he hasn't been able to tap into for a few years just because he's been so heliocentric on this team for long stretches, and he's not really been asked to be a catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, his corner numbers last year were good. He had those super bizarre home-road splits where he shot like 45% at home or whatever it was. Um, You know, there have been flashes of that shooting upside for Pascal, and I think if Pascal's banging in 37% of his threes and is actually like a notable threat the team's got to worry about, not just as a catch-and-shoot guy, but as someone who can make something happen as a secondary creator, um, you know, I, I think that can open up things a little bit here for Scotty. Even though I have mis- my, my own misgivings about like what a Scotty yak pick-and-roll is going to look like, I feel like that's going to be pretty easy to guard. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, I think you're going to be able to switch that if you're another team, and I don't know how many 
you know, lumbering, slow bigs are out there who aren't going to be able to stay in front of Scotty Barnes if he's the ball handler we've seen him to be in the first couple of years of his career. Um, you know, we'll see. There, there's a lot of different things here, but I think he's typically operated pretty well when he's got like space to chew up and then get a head of steam going. We've seen that in the short role. We've seen that when they were kind of sagging off him so much last 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 season. You think about him scoring over Brooke Lopez and, um, you know, Miles Turner and on down the line, those games where he really kind of found his, his sort of ability to do that. Um, you know, that's there, but will there be enough, you know, spots within games where he can tap into that? We'll see. I'm with you. I think the the touch around the rim and the short the short mid-range stuff is going to come back. We'll see about the long mid-range. I don't expect he's going to walk in and be a pull-up shooting threat either from the mid-range or from three-point range this season. I think that's asking too much. Um, but like the talent, we've seen it in flashes and spurts. It's pretty undeniable. One last thing I want to hit on is the defense. We have talked mostly through the lens of offense this year. And I do think that's kind of the important thing here with Scotty because uh, he's going to be asked to run a lot of the offense and the offense figures to be pretty gummy. But defensively, I think this team's chance of being relevant this year is that they are just an excellent elite upper crust defense. And Scotty Barnes obviously has a big role to play in that as well. Will he be asked to guard the point guard on the opposing team? Could that go pretty poorly? It has in the past. But my, I'm kind of bullish on Scotty's defense as well. I think we did see some strides last season, mostly as like an off-ball rim protector type of thing, not so much as an on-ball guy. But I've always maintained, I think his mistakes on defense as an on-ball perimeter defender have mostly been errors of commission and just like not trusting his own length and size and wits enough and just kind of thinking, I have to hug this player in order to keep him in front of me and it's not worked so well. I wonder if maybe a sort of a scaled back approach on defense, a different defensive scheme instituted by Darko Ryakovic, does that help Scotty Barnes kind of become the enormous, lengthy, nasty defender we all kind of assumed he was going to be coming out of college as well? Where are you at on the defense? I'm actually pretty bullish that he's going to end up a pretty well above average defensive player. But what about you? He should, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, no, I, I actually thought his team defense came a long way last season. Mm-hmm. And the stuff you mentioned in terms of like the backline help and being a secondary rim protector, like that's the stuff where I, I really did see improvement. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent with you in terms of the defense at the point of attack. Like I, and I know we're not alone, right? It was just a constant source of frustration watching him. You know, I, I didn't even think that he should have been guarding the point of attack as often as he was last season, but if he was no. going to be, it's like, yeah, like you're huge, man. Like you can play these ball handlers with the gap and you're still going to be able to disrupt their shot. Like you can just put yourself in better position to kind of contain dribble penetration, but he's just pressing all the way up on them, like intent on playing chest to chest defense and then just gets blown by because, you know, as sort of agile as he is for a guy who's six foot nine, he's still six foot nine, right? Like he's not going to be able to turn his hips and stay square with somebody who's like, you know, nine inches shorter than him and probably a lot quicker when it comes to changing direction. And I, I just, I never got that. I never got why that wasn't ironed out with Nick Nurse. I never really was able to figure out whether that was something that Scotty was doing, just sort of like going rogue. And that was the way that he wanted to play on ball defense, or that was something that the coaching staff was asking him to do. But yeah, I just think like allowing a little bit more of a buffer, giving yourself more margin for error when you're defending on the ball, just refining his technique and his footwork altogether, I think could go a long way. But I think also just maybe not putting him in those situations as often could go a long mm-hmm. way because I do think the, the area where we saw the most improvement from him last year was as an off-ball defender because he was pretty lost in the sauce off-ball as a rookie, I thought. 
Yeah. Uh, just like spacey, wandering, roving way too much, losing track of his guy, getting back cut, um, blowing help assignments. And I think we saw way, way less of that last season, especially kind of later in the year. And so if we are going to see him like hit this high level as a defender, I think that the help defense is probably going to be his calling card and not necessarily like his, his on-ball defense against opposing point guards. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating, man. Uh, well, this is not going to be the last time we talk about the fascinating season on tap for Scotty Barnes. I can promise you that. But it was lovely having you on the show, Joe, to uh, get your thoughts. And uh, looking forward to having you back throughout the season. As always, anything you want to promote for the good people out there before we wrap up here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, you can read that piece that I wrote about Scotty uh, on the Score app. It's part of a series. I, there were six pieces in total where I ran through the players that I thought were going to be the most interesting to watch this year for one reason or another and uh you can read all my stuff at the score you can follow me on are we still calling it twitter i don't know i um, am because uh like i'm not gonna start calling it x that's dumb yeah <laughs> um i i honestly i'll start tweeting more like once the season actually gets underway but mm-hmm. during off season i tend to just not really use it very often uh but i'll still tweet out uh most of my work there uh at joey underscore w and uh you can listen to pound the rock the scores yeah. weekly nba podcast uh with me and joe Casharo and sometimes some entertaining guests so uh that's all i got hell yeah pound the rock the best there is in the game i, I say this all the time when you're on the show i'm not just pandering to you i don't say this to everybody your show rocks and i love listening to it Thanks, bro. Uh, and i'm excited for cash to get back from gallivanting out in europe like a happy recently engaged man and start podcasting about the nba again damn it uh we will leave it there we'll be back again tomorrow a fun little episode we're gonna do a crossover with myself and nick angstad of locked on mavs aka locked on slovenia to recap the canada slovenia game tomorrow morning at the world cup so you have that to look forward to probably early afternoon drop time we might go live i got a plan with nick but either way that's going to be a fun reaction to canada slovenia and then later this week i got more ranking every raptor to drop i'm probably going to try to get two episodes out this week or two videos um we'll see it's way too labor intensive i should not have signed myself up for this task but i will get it done i promise you before the season starts and we'll get rolling on a few more videos this week so you have that to look forward to in the meantime please subscribe follow rate review join the discord link is in the description as always uh shows on instagram or on twitter etc etc We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.